the power of your network is key and I know everybody says that but if you just look at the examples that I gave you I talked about our broker introducing us to a hotel guy that then a few years later helped us get into the hotel business what I didn't also say is that my husband when he went to go work for that multifamily that was through meeting local people right that are that were in industry so I would say if I consistently look at those connections and sometimes sometimes it's years later right those connections are really key so developing relationships with people matters and it matters i'm also full-time in tech it matters in tech and it matters in real estate thanks all for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve we are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dream. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dream Catchers Podcast. It's your host, Jerome, and I have the pleasure of having Nicole Stoller with me today. I met her on LinkedIn, believe it or not. We were doing a challenge with my main man, Yona Weiss, or Weiss, I don't know how you say that actually. Yona, forgive me. It's cost said king. But anyway, Nicole and I connected through the LinkedIn challenge, and she buys hotels. And I was like, I've never met anybody that buys hotels. Like, I've got to have you on the podcast so we can learn how you did this and get to know you and your story. And so with that, Nicole, welcome. How are you? I'm great. And thank you so much for having me on, Jerome. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. I get to ask you a bunch of questions and get to learn about your industry or your niche of this industry and hear about you and how you got on the journey. So it's, uh, it's self-fulfilling, too, or self-serving, too. So... Tell me, I, I didn't do a great job of your bio. I just kind of talked about, you know, who you are and what you're doing in the context of how we met. Bring us up to speed. Um, you can go back to the day you were born if you want to, but bring us up to speed on how we got to where we are. Okay, I'll go back to the day, or I would say the first time that my husband and I invested in real estate. So I'm just going to give you the high level, quick story here. Uh, I did read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. This was in 1999. I was obsessed with personal finance books because we had no money and I was trying to figure out, we were just out of college, you know, kind of making our way. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the premise of the book is that you need to own a business and invest in assets. So you could invest in any, it could be any kind of business, but he talks a lot about real estate and real estate really hit home for me. It was something that I was personally interested in. So I signed us up for a real estate seminar that was actually, we flew across the country, went to this real estate seminar, and they taught us how to creatively buy properties when you didn't have any money, which was perfect because we didn't have any money and we needed to, to understand that strategy. So we came back and we actually were able to do that. So the creative part of it, there was a lot of different strategies they, they taught, but in our case, we found a local university they had received when people left in their will or in their trust, when they died, they would leave properties to this university. 
and the university said, hey, you know, we're not really in the business of managing or owning properties. So to them, it was, they would like to sell them outright, but they weren't super great properties, so they offered them with seller financing. So in our case, that's how we found all those properties, and we just needed to put a small down payment down. Well, we didn't have any money, so this was 1999. We used credit card cash advances to put down payments on the properties. So here are the things that we did not learn at the seminar. We did not learn how to evaluate properties. Are you really buying the right property? We did not learn how to manage residents, letting them walk all over us. We did not understand just you know ongoing operations. So we ended up giving all the properties back, losing all of our down payments, moving in with my parents, and then my husband went to go work in property management so we could learn the business. So that's like a little bit of how we got started. And I, I always wait, I like to share that because I, I want people to know that, you know, whatever I talk about now, there is there are a lot of lessons learned in that. I appreciate you being transparent. It always irks my nerve when somebody pretends like they figured it all out from the beginning and it's been perfect all the way through and there were no challenges or mistakes. Um, so thank you. So you made the investment in education, but you came back and you took action and I shouldn't say, but, and you, and you came back and you took action, right? But you didn't know what you didn't know. So at what point did you say, oh no, what are we going to do now? Or how are we going to get out of this situation? Or did you just try to figure it out? Yeah, such a great question. So we were at least six months in and what had happened is, so all the challenges with these properties, right? Knowing how to buy the right kind of property, just because you can get a property for free or with no down payment doesn't mean you actually want to own that property. In our case, we had, for example, we had a fourplex that was just in a part of town. It was extremely challenging to rent that out. So finding residents and some kind of consistent, uh, some kind of consistent uh, rental income was a huge challenge. And you might think, well, okay, well, maybe if someone just moved in and they stayed for a month, it wasn't, at least you made some income. No, actually you lose money even more because now the resident moves out and you have to turn over the unit and maybe there's damage and it has to be cleaned. And so it's actually better not to rent them out if you can't find good quality residents. So these are some of the things that we didn't understand. So a lot of costs involved there, uh, lots of costs around repairs, we just were un unprepared for that. My husband was doing roofing repairs himself. Now, he has no experience in roofing, but the roof needed to be replaced. And so he's up there trying to do it, trying to you know get help from his brother to help with it. Residents are sitting out, this is a threeplex, residents are sitting out drinking beer, watching him. It was like their entertainment watching my husband re-roof this property. So six months in, the bills kept piling up. There was the, the revenue was not coming in. It was a huge struggle. It was nothing like rich dad, poor dad said in the book. Um, we just realized that, that we needed to make some hard decisions. So the first hard decision was we don't know what we're doing. And I will, I do want to say that this was 1999. There were not online forums. 
there was probably a local RIA, but we lived in a smaller town, so we were not in a major city. So there, there wasn't, there was no guidance, there was no mentor, there was no one we could reach out to. Our family didn't invest in real estate. So we were really on our own. And would we do things differently now? Yes. Even probably not give back the property. So I, we would have done some things. But the point is, is we had to make those hard decisions and then we had to figure out how we were going to get out of debt. So what would you do differently? I mean, if you were somebody starting the day, getting into the game, because I mean, you took action, like you, you went and got some education, then you came back and did what they told you. So at what point would you change your process and what would you do? Yeah, so I think there's two answers to that question, because the one would be, what would you do now starting today in today's world, right, in that mm -hmm. kind of environment? And what I would do differently is that I, I would find a mentor, team up with someone who could help you understand the aspects, the things that you can't see or you don't know, or you can't post enough questions on the Bigger Pockets forum to get all the answers that you could potentially need. Uh, and I'll tell you, you know, even earlier this week, I had someone ask me, okay, I've, I want to buy a rental property. What should I look for? And we just went through a basic analysis spreadsheet, right? And just some gotchas and some things that you just wouldn't know. So I think today's world, there are experienced people who can help guide you. If we go back and say, wow, it's 1999, what would we do differently? Knowing what we know now at that time and at that situation, um, I think we would have retooled our business plan. So we owned these properties. I think that we could have looked at different ways to manage them and different ways to market them, but there was no one to guide us. So I do think at that point in time, if we'd had a mentor, they maybe would have said, you don't have to give these back. Let's line by line, let's look at what's happening and let's create a plan. I like it. Um, so, but somewhere, somewhere along the way, you went from multifamily to hotel, right? Yeah. What happened? Okay, so uh, my husband went to go work in multifamily property management. So he worked for a developer that then owned and operated really large apartment complexes, like 400, 600 unit apartment complexes. And it was all in-house. So like the development, the operations, the management, all in-house. And so first of all, his experience and his background, that training that he got was 100% multifamily. So that became a comfortable area. Now let's just say, it, had he gone to work for someone that did self-storage or that did um, office space, you know, maybe that would be completely different, but that is what he went to learn. And so that is what he knew. And then what we started doing is we were saving up our capital essentially to be able to buy a small apartment complex. And fast forward, we ended up moving locations and we bought, we started with a fourplex to a sevenplex to a 28 unit to a 50 unit to a hotel. And then now we have a second hotel. So we have the two hotels. Wow. So do you, did you keep the other multifamilies or were you trading up each time? trading up each time until we got, when we got in the hotel space, we're not trading up, we're adding to. And what made you 
what made you guys, it sounds like a team sport here, what made you guys decide that transitioning from multifamily once you got to, you know, the economy of scales to hotels, what made sense? Yeah, there's maybe three answers. They all are in parallel to that question. The first is that we got an unsolicited offer for our 50 unit apartment complex. And these were folks that were under 1031 exchange. They came back several times. Finally, we accepted the offer, which then meant we were under 1031 exchange. Uh, so, so we needed to look for something. Now, let me back up a little bit about three, two to three years prior, our broker had introduced us to a guy who's always been in the hotel space, 20 plus years, developing, managing, owning hotels. And our broker knew him because he was looking for a piece of land and he wanted to develop a new hotel. And our broker said, you know, I think you'd be a good connection for each other. And we met with him and we were talking about a 100% new build. And we really liked the numbers. The profitability on a hotel, like on a per unit basis is higher. It's very similar to looking at a long-term rental house versus a short-term rental house. Profitability right. is higher, work is more. That's right. kind of a trade-off there. Uh, so we were very intrigued. We didn't pull the trigger at that time. So then when we were under 1031 with our apartment complex, we were looking at other multifamily because that's what we knew. And we could not find cap rates and returns that met our investment criteria. And really for us is just, we thought, and at that time I would say cap rates were probably about 6%. We're in the Phoenix metro area. This is a very, very hot area. Not that, not that multifamily isn't hot across the country. It absolutely is, but there's a lot of institutional funds that have come into this particular market. And they're pretty happy to buy at like a 5% cap rate. So for us, we just said, it's really not worth the time and the effort to be in that space. And so we called up the hotel guy and asked him if he knew of an off-market hotel that we could buy. And he does because, you know, you know your industry and you know people in industry locally. And uh, so that's how we got into the first hotel. That's amazing. So no previous experience, just looking for the next deal. Did you guys do any education around it or was, so talk to me about that. Yeah, so the hotel guy in that first hotel, he's actually a big part of our operations around that hotel. So he essentially handles, he hired the general manager, he found management company, he found those pieces that he knew in industry. He also helped us figure out, well, who is the right lender uh, because hotel loans are different than multifamily and there's there's a lot of nuances and they wanted to know, okay, well, if we're going to loan you, you know, X amount of money to buy a hotel, you don't have any experience in this, right? And so you've got this hurdle. So he was a bit, he's still a big part of that particular hotel. Um, and so he assisted us through that process. We attended conventions, we attended you know, different uh, meetings, those types of things so that we could educate ourselves on the industry itself. But we kind of learned as we went. Yeah. And then in this next hotel, we are handling more, I'd say 90% of what happens with that hotel. 
and he's still a little bit involved. It's like uh, it's like training wheels, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We can still he's still involved, and he's still a lifeline that uh, that my husband calls for questions and advice. So, is it like coaching, or is he more of a partner in your deal? He's more of a partner. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I want to circle back to when you do you think creative buying or purchasing is the way to go or are there better ways to do it from your perspective? I think it probably depends on your niche and the market. With multifamily in particular, because I I see a lot of people saying you can do it with no money, but I personally don't think that that's a viable strategy because I've just seen how things come up. And so if you get into a deal with no money and something comes up and you didn't have money to get in, I don't know how you fix the issues once you're in it, but you actually went down this path and did the creative. So that's why I'm asking the question. Yeah. So I would say that you have to have some money because here's what's happened to us. We had to have the down payment funds and then we had to have the bigger issue then became all of the repairs. So you've got to have some working capital for your transition. So I do think, I think it's cool. So uh, that 28 unit apartment complex, we got that with seller financing, but we, but we had funds. So we had a creative element there, but we also had funds that enabled us to handle all the repairs that needed happen and working capital. And then I personally didn't like being in that uh, seller financing model. It felt, it felt uh, too variable to me. Like I, I wanted the, confidence of knowing that we had a commercial loan behind us so we we flipped that into a traditional um i think it was a five-year commercial loan okay okay so you're building are you building this next one or are you guys just buying it outright so this next one that we just we just closed on it okay about three weeks ago congratulations yeah so it's an existing property that's something else that's interesting we did look at that new build as i mentioned but we really like existing properties we like being able to look at the numbers understand where we can add value understand how we can increase revenues versus a little bit of a guessing on in the hotel space so uh, this particular hotel we looked at for several months analyzed the numbers toured the hotel, put in an LOI, spent a month negotiating LOI. Uh, from there, then we actually moved this hotel into our syndication, so a 506C offering. So there were a lot of moving pieces to that. And uh, wow. yeah, it's an existing hotel. So not only do you buy hotels, but you syndicate hotels. Now this is yes. getting fancy. Yeah. Okay. So how did you learn how to syndicate and where along the journey did you add that to, you know, the tool belt? So I would say the where we learned was that we are surrounded by other entrepreneurs that are not necessarily in real estate, but are in other areas. So for example, we have a very good friend who's in the food and entertainment industry. We have another friend who is in med tech devices. And in both cases, 
they raised funds. Now, obviously slightly different because they're not real estate related, but they raised funds and they were able to make a few recommendations to us. So they recommended the lawyers that we worked with and obviously they are specific to real estate, but also SEC and all the rules around that. And then they gave us advice. But I would also say to back up, when we had, had the first hotel and it's growing and then people realize we have a hotel, it kind of catches a lot of people off guard. It's, it's really cool. <laughs> we're not what you would expect. And we had a lot of people that raised their hands and said that they would be interested in investing in the next one. And so I think there was enough of that demand. And then we went the legal paperwork route and then we had advice on, you know, make sure you're structuring. And so there you go. So you waited until you got into hotels and, but you guys built kind of your base through the multifamily space and then transitioned to something that was more profitable, a more complex operation too. Um, and then in order to take down the bigger deals, you added other people's capital into the game. And yes. so your C means you're only working with accredited investors, right? Correct. Okay. Have you been looking for properties but unable to find a good deal? Do you feel like lack of access to private capital is holding you back? Do you have the confidence in your skills to execute your business plan? The Myers Method, we walk with you to help you step-by-step -step understand the actions needed to identify, acquire, operate, and maintain multifamily properties. some really, I don't know if they're tricky, but thought-provoking questions is what I hope you'll see it as. Um, and so the first one that I want to ask is, what are the three biggest lessons that you've learned over the course of your career? My real estate career? In general, you can pick whatever. Okay. The three biggest lessons. The power of your network is key and I know everybody says that but if you just look at the examples that I gave you I talked about our broker introducing us to a hotel guy that then a few years later helped us get into the hotel business what I didn't also say is that my husband when he went to go work for that multifamily that was through meeting local people right that are that were in industry so I would say if I consistently look at those connections and sometimes sometimes it's years later right those connections are really key so developing relationships with people matters and it matters i'm also full-time in tech it matters in tech and it matters in real estate so i i would say that's number one uh, the other piece is integrity and honesty this is really key no one's going to invest with you right if they don't have trust and know you as a person and in our case 
all the, the folks that invested with us know us, right? They, we've known them, they are understand that, that we live in this community. We actually, it is a real hotel, right? There, there is a lot to that. And so when people place their trust in you, continue to, uh, continue to be uh, trustworthy and very uh, ethical in all of your dealings. So I would say, and that matters also in tech as well, because uh, both of these are small communities, right? You think you very know, you small. Live, yeah, you think you live in a city. You know, Phoenix is a five million dollar or five million five million people in the city, and the reality is it's very small, right? Each of these specific niche areas, and the third thing is to take action. So to your point, uh, it, even if it's the an action that you later realize, wow, well, that was kind of a dumb thing to do, you did take action and you're gonna learn something from that. So it's worthwhile versus sitting on the sidelines and not doing anything. I love it. I absolutely love it. And so you're actually the first person that said network is like their biggest lesson that I can remember. Um, because, or, you know, the power of your network is, you know, the thing that can move you to the next space. I, I think a lot of people assume that folks know that, but I don't really think people truly understand how important it is to intentionally network and to have people have great experiences with you as you go along. Like that is a, it's a game changer because they come back to you and they create opportunities for you or they think about you when something comes up when you have those interactions. So I, I definitely appreciate you sharing that one first because it's a big deal. What gift are you giving the world? What gift am I giving the world? I, so I have a podcast that is focused on helping people like me, right? I work in tech full time and I want to inspire those who work in tech to own or invest in a business. Now, it's not always that it has to be real estate, right? So I've had people come on and they'll talk about an e-commerce business or franchise, but what I want them to hear is other people in tech who are doing that while working full time. And the intention is I, I do believe that really to get ahead, those are some tenants that you, that you have to do back to the rich dad, poor dad, invest in or own a business. So you can invest passively in a lot of different ways. You can own in a lot of different ways while working full time. And my podcast is to inspire around that for that community uh, because, because I think, especially in tech, we don't always, we'll, we'll get very focused on numbers and data, and it really helps to hear stories and creativity. That makes it real. That absolutely makes it real. So I don't know if I'm overstepping, but I'll, I'll try anyway. Why haven't you left tech to do this full time, the real estate stuff? There's a, I love tech. So that's the okay. thing that's interesting too. Um, I, thrive on what I do. And then my husband actually handles all of the operations around real estate itself. So it's a pretty good balance. I tend to be more about marketing and sales specific to our real estate business. Okay. And he's more operations. That's a good division of labor. 
Who's the yeah. money raiser? Who's, you know what? Uh, I'm more of the, this is the opportunity, but he is the numbers guy. And when you're talking about these kinds of numbers, people want to get down into the spreadsheet and he's the guy for that. Expertise in the yeah. space. I, um, I love it. What's the name of your podcast so the listeners can check it out? It's called The Richer, R-I-C-H-E-R, Geek, which is a play on being in mm -hmm. technology. <laughs> yeah. I'll make sure I link it up in the show notes. That's awesome. And I'm going to subscribe as soon as we get done. Um, what dream are you most focused on catching next, Nicole? What dream? So the next one is the latest hotel. And as you know, in any kind of, uh, any niche within real estate right now, it takes looking at a lot of deals mm -hmm. to find a good one. So our next dream is the next one, which is not so easy to find. And then at that point, another syndication. Okay. Um, so this one is tough for a lot of the guests, but I, I like to see them squirm and then come up with the answers. What's made the biggest difference between the times when you've gotten what you wanted and the times that you haven't? The biggest difference between the times that I've gotten what I wanted and the times that I haven't. Mm -hmm. Consistency. So I think that let's, let's take this example. So we're, we're going to be looking for the next hotel, right? it can get discouraging because you're going to look at it. There's just going to be a lot of toads out there or frogs, right? And they are just not going to be great. And it can be kind of discouraging. You might think, well, I'm not ever going to find anything. The market's not any good. I'm just going to sit out. But there's also a lot of people that have already asked us about the next hotel, right? So we, we're, they're pushing us. So the consistency is, getting there and looking every single day and keeping at it, even though it can be frustrating at times. I think that holds true with anything. And I know you'll have a good answer for this one. I, I don't think I've ever asked this question before, but I think just based on the stuff that you've shared so far, you'll have a great answer for this question. What's the most rewarding part about growing the real estate portfolio? I think a few things. Um, the first thing is, it's fantastic to be able to help people passively invest, right? Because I totally get it. All of the people that are investing with us have very hectic full-time jobs. And that's, that's, it's a hard thing to balance. They don't want to go and try and find a general manager and to deal with. So there's huge value in someone that can do that for you and help your money grow. But the other thing I would say is knowing that you did it, you know, knowing that you had this huge hurdle. I mean, so things come really easy. So what happens is you do something and then you're ready for the next thing and you don't, you really should take a step back and say, wow, I did that. Like we bought a hotel a few years ago. We would have never imagined that in 1999. We just bought another hotel, right? So part of me is like, well, that's old hat now. We bought hotels. We're going to buy our next one. But the reality is, that was a huge step. You bought your first rental house. That's a huge step. 
right? It, it absolutely is. And you need to, to realize that you create this space for yourself. Like you do the one thing and then it becomes easy and normal and you're ready for the next. And that's pretty cool to see. Yes. I knew you would. That's awesome. <laughs> so what are you most grateful for? Oh my gosh. Life and living here in the United States and having the opportunity to do lots of creative things that we can do here. And so my final question for you is, if people only took one thing away from our conversation, what would it be? Don't get discouraged and keep going. When I describe that, I mean, for you, for you to understand how does it feel to be newly married, deeply in debt, realize you made this big mistake, you were trying to follow advice, moving back in with your parents, right? Feeling like a complete failure, you know, because you, that's not what you should do if you're married. You shouldn't be living, like, and that's what I thought, right? That was such a, um, it was such a tough time in our lives, right? I couldn't sleep at night. But there was so much good that came from that. So don't get discouraged. I mean, it's so hard, but just know that there is something better that you are going to learn from this and you're going to grow. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Nicole, I'm so grateful for you sharing this amazing story with me and the listeners. And I didn't see all of this coming, but I'm, I'm really full. So. Unfortunately, one of my teammates from high school football passed away this week, right? And so I got the call two nights ago. And this conversation about being grateful for life, this thought of, you know, it doesn't matter how bad it gets, that you can come out of it as long as you don't quit and give up. And, you know, there are people that are going to be around you to help you get up when you fall down. Um, you just have to be willing to be open with them and tell them what's going on and then create your plan to get out of that. But not only that, once you get out of it, there are people who will pull you to the next level because whatever missteps or failures you've had doesn't mean that that's your future. Like you get to determine what your future is based on the decisions you make. And you guys have demonstrated that you're willing to do whatever it takes. And in doing whatever it takes, you've shown everybody that consistency is the difference, right? And I think that's the thing that attracts people to you. And I think it's the thing that inspires other folks. So. I'm really grateful that you decided to take me up on my offer. Um, and I can't wait to deliver this to the listeners because I think they're going to get so much from it. Do you have anything else you want to share with them before we start recording? Uh, no, I would just check out my podcast. That would be another thing, especially if you're in tech. Perfect. I'll link it up and it's the Richard Geek. Hey guys. I know that you enjoyed it if you made it to this point in the show. So do us a favor, give us a rating and review and share with somebody who would love to hear this. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.